Hey everyone, Justin here. Excited to bring you another episode. This is episode 40 of Let Them Eat Takes, a sports podcast for the outrage era. In this week's episode, Jonathan Scott and I talked about some really bad takes that surfaced in the world of college football, a surprise candidate for the Wisconsin head coaching job, and we're even going to talk about what happened between Georgia and Missouri. Oh yeah, and while this was being recorded, the Braves were playing the Marlins to clinch the NL East, and they did it. Go Braves! This is Let Them Eat Takes. Can we start with the Wisconsin coaching search? Yes. Wisconsin fired Paul Christ. Is that his name? That is his name. Someone somewhere, forget where I read it, that that doesn't happen very often at Wisconsin where they fire a coach. Do you know what his record was? No, I do not. Because he was very comfortably over 500. Oh, he was and, way over 500, yeah. Yeah, he was like 62 and 17 or something oh in God. like five or six years there. And, you know, Madison, Wisconsin supposed to be one of like the best college towns in America. I've heard it's beautiful. I like their traditions. I like their, their whole thing, being the Badgers and whatnot. But uh, they kind of have been lost in the shuffle of the Big Ten the last couple of years, I guess, where they're not, you know... Maybe they caught some of that Auburn fever where they just want to be perennial playoff appearing teams. They're like, wait a minute, we don't have to have this buzz cut guy leading us consistently to nine win seasons with a decent bowl that comes under 150 characters. Yeah, and and I'm not saying Wisconsin can steal away Nick Saban from Alabama, but given their great academics and outstanding campus, they should at least call to gauge his interest. What? <laughs> you, you, I saw this take. Who is that? What? Come from like a like a Wisconsin fan blog account on Twitter. Oh, uh, are you reading no. some of those takes, Scott? Is yes, this, this is an actual that? person that covers college football. Yeah, he works at Outkick. If you want to know how serious he is oh, about being oh, good yeah. at his job, oh. uh, this is David Hookstead. Yeah, who's like said more or less. Yeah, you gotta call Nick Save and make him say no. He didn't say no. He's not even going to answer the phone. I would say that sounds like, uh, it, like exactly like the uh, advice you'd get from a boomer about, like, well, just go print your resume off and go hand it to store to store to find a job. Yeah, yeah. Well, just, just go on in there, ask to speak to the CEO, hand him your resume, and tell him good day and say, sir and ma'am. Sir and ma'am. But make sure your hair's combed and you, you look him in the eye. Mighty white. Wear a, in the, uh, give him a good wear a tie because you dress for the job you, you want, not for the job you have. <laughs> Except that I'm looking at his profile picture and he doesn't look, he looks our age. So, to about David Hookstead? Yeah. So, the, the, best, the best tweet along that line was from Berkey Punkin. Berkey Punkins? Wow. Whatever Bunky it Perkins. works. Yeah, Berkey <laughs> Punkins. That's cool. Berkey it's Punkins. his alter ego. Bunky Perkins. Uh, you should also dig up Bear. <laughs> Bear Bryant ask him. No one has ever tried that. Make him say no. <laughs> he hasn't turned down a coaching job in many years, Scott. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure the Red Elephant Club or whatever the Booster Association is at Alabama tried digging him up and reanimating his corpse before they got Nick Saban to coach their team because they were in some rough straits for a little bit over in T-Town. <laughs> That is, when you first said that, I was scratching my head like, what the hell is Scott talking about? (laughs) And I realized that I had only scrolled up as far as that Bunky Perkins tweet, and I hadn't scrolled Uh, up to see the That's Berkey Punkins, thank you very much. It's Halloween, it's October, and that is Berkey Punkins. Berkey Punkins. Berkey Punkins, the spoopiest name in sports journalism. So somehow... I found out that Mateo, my three-year-old, knows the word spooky, and I didn't know. So I was pushing him around Home Depot today, and he goes, ooh, those are so spooky. 
And I died laughing. I was like, how do you know this word? He must have known that the Nobel Prize for Physics today was awarded for spooky action at a distance. So he's just on top of the science community. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I got another awful, awful take for you guys. Give it to me. Uh, This one comes from, let me, let me, let me ask you, would it surprise you if I told you it came from none other than Colin Cowherd? Hell no. (laughs) Okay. So this one's a little bit old, but it still checks out. He tweeted this morning of September 25th. This was right after uh, Oklahoma lost to Kansas State. It's pretty astonishing, really. Lincoln Riley inherits a four and eight mess. No culture or momentum and a roster with holes everywhere. Brent Vittables inherits an 11 win team with momentum, jammed stadiums weekly and stacked with talent. Only one is still unbeaten. Still unbeaten. Oh, and good morning. Now this so take dumb. is bad on so many levels, but also predictable because I don't think Colin Cowherd ever passes up an opportunity to pump his own Pack Sun Premium. Uh, he does not. I mean, listen, there is not an oppor- He does not miss an opportunity to to kiss that ass at Southern Cal. Yeah, he's an L.A. guy. He's pretty open about it. But, uh, you know, he neglected to mention, I know that the Twitter has a character limit, so maybe he didn't, maybe put this in his original tweet and had to, like, backspace it. You know, Lincoln Riley kind of took some of the best players from Oklahoma with him to USC. Um, uh, One of them might be a Heisman candidate this year. We'll see. Uh. He maybe lost two of his last three games against Kansas State while he was at Oklahoma. No. I know. This is fake news. Fake oh, news. hold on. There's somebody how, from... many of those, how many of those was Kansas State missing their starting quarterback? One or two of those games. <laughs> Did they really miss their starting quarterback in both those wins? One or two. I can't remember. <laughs> They've missed their starting quarterback for the better part of the last two or three years. Hold on. Somebody's approaching me from the side. Oh, it's an ESPN employee with a gun to my head. And they would like me to stop talking right now and let you know that Aaron Judge has let off the game versus the Rangers with a 60-second home run to Woo-hoo. break Roger Maris's American. I didn't think he could do it because there wasn't a college football game for him to disrupt on Tuesday. For real. Unless All I, I got to like say is congratulations on seventh place. Literally. cares. <laughs> How many of the, the leaders in front of them were on roids? It's like definitely Bonds and Sammy Sosa. I don't care as much about Roids. That's a topic for another day. Like, I've not talked to people who play baseball a lot, but I gather is probably everybody was taking Roids, but I don't know how many dudes were, like, corking the bat, which is what Sosa got caught doing. And once you get caught doing that, it's like, oh, I only corked it for this season. (laughs) Like, okay, well, I guess we'll believe you. You seem like a trustworthy fella. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Congratulations, yeah, Darren Judge. Yeah, I guess you can make all the money next year. Whatever. Oh, here's another thing that I thought was incredibly stupid about that Colin Cowherd tweet. Yeah. Brent Vilbles is a uh, defensive-minded coach. You know, we, yeah. all, we all know that. Uh, right. was, was Oklahoma just really gangbuster on defense the entire time Lincoln Riley was there? Not really. The answer is no, they were not. I remember them they, having to score a great many points to win. Yeah, they were pretty average to below average. Mm-hmm. So Brent Villables, you know, maybe that situation is not as cushy as Colin Coward thinks it is. Maybe Brent Villables walked into a situation that didn't have as much talent on his side of the ball as he's used to, accustomed to having, and maybe Lincoln Riley took the best parts, i.e. the quarterback. You know, was there a receiver that left? I know Jaden Hazelwood went to Arkansas. And he was supposed to be one of their guys. I don't think it. I don't know. I just yeah. can't wait for the uh, the. I'm gonna set notifications on on Cowherd um, as USC is losing their first game, and just uh, the delicious tweet that will come will probably be devoid of any reality or self awareness. He'll say it was shocking or whatever. This is shocking. I would have thought USC would have been able to handle their business against the Oregon Ducks. (laughs) 
I always kind of rooted for Oregon against USC, but man. Oh, I for sure will this year. I for sure will this year. <laughs> Could be great. I want to see, like, I want to see uh, ADHD forgot to take my Adderall medication, Bo Nix, on the field during that game. Is there any other kind of Bo Nix? You, you, like, you go to, like, give him his, his Adderall, his daily Adderall, and really it's just, like, cocaine. <laughs> and he goes, plays out of his mind. Did you take your Bonix today? Did you take your Bonix? Get, get back to your life with Bonix. Get back to your life. Yeah. Uh, do you struggle? So, do you struggle watching too much college football on Saturday? You need Bonix. On <laughs> on the Oklahoma front, uh, did y'all see any of the Oklahoma game this past weekend? Yes, I saw it bits was. and pieces, but I, I I didn't see the whole thing. No. What was the final score again? It was like it was, fifty-five to twenty-four, right? Yeah, it was yeah. a it was a. They lit them. They lit their ass up. Yeah, yeah. it was. Well, hey, anybody know they were playing TCU? Anybody yeah. know who the offensive coordinator is for TCU? Lincoln Riley's little brother. Yep, Garrett <laughs> Riley. No, are you serious? <laughs> yes, dead serious. What is he like? Twenty eight? Because isn't Lincoln Riley like thirty something? I think he just got his Eagle Scout. <laughs> <laughs> that was his Eagle Scout project. Like score fifty on Oklahoma. He yeah, is age 33. I was close. His birthday is 9-11. That sucks. That's not what you want. <laughs> well, That's never what you want. Never forget that birthday. No. Yep. Uh, and I am terrible. It was like knowing that Oklahoma had just lost the weekend before when I was like, I was keeping track of the score of that game on my phone. And I'd look at it, and every time I'd see TCU score more points, and then my head would be like, oh, there should be so many angry Oklahoma fans. <laughs> And then, yeah, well, the, the fact that it was a Riley just kind of twisted that knife a little bit. I mean, yes. if I were an Oklahoma fan, I would be absolutely beside myself in anger with like white hot rage, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not um, like I mean, it's not I don't I don't know what the recruiting budget was like at Oklahoma, but I would say they didn't like do some Mark Rick stuff to Lincoln Riley while he was there. And it seemed like he had a good thing going. And, you know, that West Coast, he wanted that Pacific Ocean view in his backyard. And he just packed up and left. And now you've got this unproven guy. I, for one, am shocked that somebody found California to be more appealing than Norman Obama. I think he also was not consulted, was unaware, and was blindsided by the Oklahoma to the SEC move. Uh, well, yeah. That yeah. Cannot that's, be and then, especially when you're looking at like a well, any playoff scenario, four team, eight team, twelve team, whatever, uh, going to be a lot easier to make the playoff consistently as oh, USC what is and as Oklahoma. It's going to twelve, right? Oh, but Southern at Cal's, the time, going to be cake for them. Yeah, at the time it was four, and it was unknown what it was going to be. If it had gone to like eight or something, it's pretty easy to make that if you're doing well at Southern Cal. Mm-hmm. Eight is hard to make when you're in the SEC, when you're Oklahoma, because even with eight teams, if it was eight, or even when it's 12 and they're giving away a bunch of free spots to teams that aren't good on purpose for some reason. For reasons. Like, you know, you might get four SEC teams in out of 12, even if you have six or seven of the 12 best teams in one conference. You know, four will get in. So you could be the 10th best team and Oklahoma a given year and not make it. Whereas the number 10 team in USC makes it every time. Yeah. All right, here's your transition, Justin. You ready? All right, hit me with it. So Venables maybe not may not be on the hot seat, but would you say Jimbo Fisher is on the hot seat? And if so, who might could replace him? According do you, to you. Do you want me to Ags. consult the... You want me to consult the geniuses on Ags 24-7? No, I'm sorry. I thought it was Tex Ags. Well, let me look this up. That's the name of the message board. <laughs> wait, that's... Wait, really? It couldn't even get... I mean, unless... Um... Oh, wait, yeah, that's, that's the 24-7 one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this okay. Came... They just call it yeah, Tex so Ags. I didn't get to watch that game, but... Or at least I, I flipped channels a lot this past Saturday, but I did see the end result in uh, Mike Leach and the Pirate Boys down in Stark, Vegas. Dismantled. <laughs> you know, A&M had to put um, Haynes King back out there because uh, I think Max Johnson got hurt. So, how, did, how did Haynes King do? Not great. 
Uh, Will Rogers apparently was pretty efficient. Anyway, this comes from your Texags uh, username Hornady7. I am 100% serious, 100% serious, and I see this play now. I think Mike Leach is going to replace Jimbo after the season. Assuming, <laughs> assuming Mississippi State has a good season, it doesn't falter. I think Leach is named head coach after the bowl game. If you notice, Leach recently said he loves A&M fans and the school's football history. The resources at his disposal would instantly put him on par with Bama and Georgia. Golly, Mississippi State is... is the Texas Tech of the SEC. Imagine what he could do with the talent on the roster. He is going to bring his D.C. with him. I guarantee he will be on the short list, and the money thrown at him will be an offer he can't refuse. I feel so bad for this dude. <laughs> I mean, it's I don't know where like, this came from. It's a question of, like, the situation is so frustrating that they just sit there and type away these fever dreams. <laughs> it's like a whole, like... <laughs> It's like a setup for like a whole fiction. It's like fan fiction, college it is, football style. It's it's bad enough where like you could bring in a Schottenheimer and upgrade that offense. That's true. Yeah, it's That's... pretty pathetic. Like oh, the thing about Jimbo is, is that he's probably not going to bring in somebody to call <laughs> plays for him. Like that's his thing. He's never if he hasn't let go of it at this point his coaching career, he probably never will. So, uh, okay, I was, I was thinking about this earlier because, you know, there are now some small amount of rumors with unknown credibility about, is Jimbo on the hot seat? Jimbo's on the hot seat, whatever. And, it, guys, it's so much money. It sounds impossible to believe that he'd be on the hot seat. It also would have sounded it's impossible. Oil money, though, right? Yeah, it also would have been impossible to think of how much guaranteed money they gave him. And how much money they spent on their last recruiting class. Like, let's be real. Come on. Do you know his buyout off top? Did you look it up? There, There's no buyout. His contract is 100% guaranteed. So, the buyout is you pay him the entire contract to not work. It was like $85 million too, wasn't it? That's it. I mean, he has, sure he has like $60 million left or something on his contract. Yeah. So if like when people say, like, normally there's a buyout clause. Like, we can buy you out. For this number that is some number lower than the remainder lower of your contract. contract yeah, you. yeah. In this case, it's just they. It was guaranteed from day one. So if they want to fire him and hire somebody else, they basically just pay out his contract and say bye. Yes, and it's it's so much money. So anyway, the thing about it is like, look, even A and M. Gosh, it doesn't feel like he. All right. <laughs> If I'm pulling it up, just to make sure I can have it on record here. Uh, geez. So if they were to get this extra crazy and decide that they were really that frustrated, you know, then what I could see them doing is threatening to fire him and saying, if you don't bring someone else in and give them control of the offense, we'll fire you. Now, whether they would, would be doing bluff. that, yeah, right. Whether they'd be doing that as a bluff or as like a legitimate thing, it, I would call their. They bluff might cause... be they might be crazy enough to do that as a bluff, and then if he calls their bluff, they might get mad enough and just buy him out. Yeah, like, it's, the whole thing's very irrational, right? So it's hard to predict. Like, oh, you know, like, like, oh, which way is this football gonna bounce? Please predict that for me. Like, it is wonky shaped. And this is what we're dealing with with Texas A&M booster brains. It's like footballs bouncing around all weird ways. Um, okay. For the record, this is from September. Jimbo's making seven and a half million this year. <clears throat> He would be owed about $95.6 million if he's fired without cause on December 1st. 95.6? Yeah, yeah. Golly. Now, if yeah. they were to fire him after that date, it would drop down to $86 million. Oh, bargain. Yeah. That's 10% right, that on slickdeals.com. That's the Black Friday uh, promo. Yeah, yeah it, they would have to pay him $21.5 million up front and then pay him a little over $7 million a year for the next nine years. Use checkout code DUMBO20 to get 20% <laughs> off your buyout. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So anyway, it's geez, it's an exorbitant amount of money to not coach. So I all, really all just... that all that being said, do they even have a chance against Alabama this weekend? No, they play Bama this weekend. I would say yeah. no. I mean, because Bama's now got a hurt starter. Hurt meaning might play. Well, they if they need him, which they probably won't. Yeah, they probably won't need him. They probably won't have any trouble. Could they win? Yes, they beat Bama last year. Like, right. Games are not a given. Weird things happen. A and M's defense is good. Uh, the offense would be improved by a Schottenheimer, which is you know, that's pretty pathetic. Yeah. Well, there, I guess there's nobody else on that staff that could help call plays. I mean, he's got James Coley, but we saw how that went down in Athens three years ago. Oh, those offenses were way better than anything A&M's been trotting out lately, so That's maybe that would actually Georgia be an upgrade. Being that bad, like well, it, it, yeah, we weren't. Um, and we were not good. And it was pretty embarrassing. But it was also one year not maybe not extenuating circumstances, but somewhat unique circumstances. Is that their the, offensive coordinator? I didn't know as a <clears throat> I don't think he's their offensive coordinator, isn't he? Just like a like wide, wide receiver, receiver coach and whatever. Yeah. He's a great yeah. recruiter. Like everyone says he's got the best connections in the state of Florida and that's a huge asset to the program. And mm-hmm. he has some play calling experience, but he I would say his ceiling is probably like a top forty offense right you know it's 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 not embarrassing but it's not the you know it's not maximizing potential it's just it's an offense it's man it yeah it's bad they got to do something about that coaching staff and and that's what i wouldn't be surprised to see the aggie people lean on jimbo about and this year is probably still a year too early. Like I said, ninety-six million. It drops to eighty-six million. Like these are really dumb numbers, even by college football buyout numbers. Right. But they might lean on him and say, "Hey, you need to make some changes to the staff because two years from now, you better have won a title, and otherwise, we're going to have fifty million sitting on hand." waiting to pay it to you and get you out of here. So there may be... That wouldn't surprise me if something like that happened. Okay, I have a uh, a bad take, but it's a shift in sports. Oh, let's hear it. Can you please play that trumpet music first? I don't think I'm doing it right. Oh, man. It is about the Braves, who... Swept the Mets this past weekend to Woo! essentially make it not impossible but improbable. They are leading the Marlins right now. Is two to one. We got mm-hmm. a runner on first, and Grossman's up to bat. And if we win, we win the East. Um, so it's a very, very, very important sweep. Highly emotionally charged weekend. Sellouts every night. Close games. Aces pitching. You know, clutch hitting, all that. Can, can we this. not be distracted by the crime against humanity that the Braves committed by making the Mets play those games when it was rainy somewhere else on the planet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't even freaking rain. I remember that. Are you talking about Hurricane Ian? Well, somebody, when they, they were the original, like earlier, before they thought the the hurricane would just continue going north, before they found out the hurricane wasn't going to continue going north, they, they assumed it would just continue going north and it would just be a rain-soaked weekend. And there was somebody... Did I post was that? It, was it Hyman? Was it Hyman? It might have been. Anyway, he was, like, bitching about how, like, of course the Braves are going to make the Mets play this series in the rain three games in a row. And it was, like, beautiful freaking weather, zero humidity, 70 degrees outside. Nice and Baseball cool. columnist for the New York Post, by the yeah. way. Oh, so well, they're so stupid. And and it was something along the lines of, uh, there are you know people in the Mets organization and front office who are concerned that the Braves won't make the right and moral choice of canceling the game and will instead put people's lives in danger or something like this. 
There are really people they missed, which, which was all along the really the Mets front office saying, please don't let our good starters get rained out after two innings. Uh, call it life-threatening. That's it. DeGrom De- throwing two innings would kill me. Yeah, right. Dansby is glad that DeGrom and the Scherzer pitched the whole game. That's for sure. Give him time. Oh, yeah. what, what was the homer he hit off? Was it Scherzer? Like they, 432 they all, feet? They all run together. Every oh, one of man. them was 400 something. Like, yeah, I was like, thank you very much. So stupid. I can't believe people are so stupid, but I can. So there's the super fan. I like this guy, so I'm not going to say his handle. He's not a professional, so it's not worth doing it. But he's kind of like your your father's Georgia fan. I uh, found him on TikTok, and he's kind of funny, but he makes all the kind of jokes that like a 50-something Georgia fan would make. But he's also a big Braves fan. And he tweeted this after we lost to the Marlins last night. He said, solid effort tonight, boys. Really brought your A game. And I'm like, oh my gosh. What am I going to do with these boomers? I call like, that a calm your tits take. It's like they finished the nationally televised night game at like, what, 10 or 11? They didn't get into Florida till like 3 in the morning or something after playing these three emotional games. So they're, they're, the expectation is to go out and just burn that oil. And with, I don't know, it just was like, come on, bro. That's the kind of fan where I'm just like, you know better than this. Come on. Use your head for one second. I mean, the way some fans look at teams, they, they look at them the same way you look at like a Madden roster. <laughs> it's a like a video digital... game. Exactly. Yeah. It's like they, they don't exist outside the time they're playing the game. Like they don't need food. Yeah. When the you video know, game, don't... you don't see them like eat or shit or anything like that. Yeah. So. When you play Madden football, you don't see Tom Brady go home and avoid his wife and kids. You don't see Tom Brady retire from football, go home, realize he hates his family, and then turns around and comes back. You don't don't have that option to, like, unretire? Consequences. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's called the Urban Meyer, My Family Hates Me, I Must Go Back to Work special. So I'm confused, Justin. I saw you post this about uh, Tom Brady and Giselle. But this seems like a great take, not a bad take. <laughs> I thought it was great. You want to read oh, it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this might be. Is it tweet art? A... No, let me let me throw you, throw this one. Is this, is this, this take of, is this take of the century of the week? I would say this is a take that unites us, baby. In these troubling times, when the bonds we all share are threatened to be torn asunder by the quick takes, the hot takes, the medium rare takes. And the takes that are doomed to be deleted on Twitter tomorrow. We need a sports take to bring us back together. Now more than ever, these are the takes that unite us. Because I think if there's one thing the whole sports world can collectively chime in on, it's when uh, Tom Brady gets denied hardware for his hands, because God knows he only has so many fingers. So uh, mm-hmm. Giselle Bunchen, this comes from at Jason Vincent on Twitter. Giselle Bunchen joins Eli Manning and Nick Foles as the only people to take a ring away from Tom Brady. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> if only Matt Ryan could have made it into uh, that company. Why you always got to bring in the darkness, though? Because I live in the darkness. Ooh. <laughs> I was I born of it. I was born of it. You merely have a timeshare. This has been a. This has been yeah, kind you, of a. You think you know darkness? I watched the, the greatest show on turf. Absolutely destroy the Falcons. <laughs> you know why I watch that? Because it's the only time they're on TV. Mm. Yeah. This. What's funny about this whole Giselle Bunch and Tom Brady thing is it's been like a slowly matriculating story for the last couple months. It's like Tom Brady retires and then he just kind of magically unretires and suddenly you have like these like uh, tabloidy articles and sources say like trouble in the Brady household question mark. Giselle so wants Tom to. Let's, let's reverse engineer this. Think back to when they won the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay a couple years ago. Yeah, two years ago. He had some real like. Divorced drunk dad energy going on, just like oh, bumbling, stumbling was, around. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow, was like drunk, back drunk cutting off the yacht. Yeah. Mm-hmm, he needed mm-hmm. like help, yeah. 
That wasn't a yeah, family, I will man. say it's either that like, I mean, or somebody Ron who Ka- never. Gronkowski. Gronkowski was helping him keep it together. I will say it was either he that. He full Gronk. But he is very public about the fact that, what, he only eats broccoli for nine months a year. So the minute you get that man, like, two margaritas, he's going to be the sloppiest, like, the sloppier than a co-ed. Just getting off the yard. Like, I have three McUltras. And it's like, because he never has alcohol. Unless he's lying, which I don't think he is about his diet anyway. He's like negative percent body fat at this point. Yeah, yeah. There's, it'd be hard to say that you're on that kind of diet and look the way he looks. And, and he can't like, even have iso- Yeah, he can't even have isopropyl alcohol in his house because <laughs> it would probably destroy his liver. This <laughs> <laughs> has been the Take That United. Um, how is he? I don't. I haven't watched any of. I actually have watched Falcons games here and there. But has he played well uh, this season at all, or is it kind of whatever? Oh, Brady? Yeah. I don't know. I don't watch Tampa Bay. Oh. Yeah. Who knows? I know they got all the olds there with them, like Julio Jones. Got Had to tuck his AARP membership card underneath his mattress. Yeah. Go back to work. Yeah. I, I haven't watched Julio play either, but that has not had anything to do with me turning on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Well. So speaking of darkness, I was definitely living in darkness uh this weekend when Georgia played Missouri. Oh, I know. I was calling you out because you were living in the darkness. Oh I <laughs> I was I had it was like Hellraiser, like girl, don't don't waste those tears. It's such a waste. <laughs> good level of darkness, but I don't. I don't really think. Like here's the. Thing, I was in total meltdown mode. Good thing I don't have a twenty four seven account because then I probably would have been one of those dumb idiots chiming in saying, you know, making well, declarative all, statements. Right. We can, we can just Photoshop your do. tweets, or we can just Photoshop your texts or whatever onto like a message board genius you, tweet and send you it out. You could. I did unofficial, unofficial J, J Pat. That's what I'm gonna call Twitter. I. I did declare ball game after Missouri's fat kicker kicked like his fifth field goal to put it, you know, twenty two to twelve. Like that's the ball right. game, guys. I was I was it, it, I was, was in, I was watching with some game. people who were panicking. So it was I had to be the rational one, so it was easier for me to be rational in Discord with everybody else because there were people there who were like, The sky is falling. And I was like, can we just have a little perspective? Yeah, we're not playing great, but like, if we get the win, it'll be okay. We'll just like, on. this is the third time this season that Georgia has just kind of. No, it's the, the second. Show. Third time? It's, it's the you're second. Sanford? No, because you're up 30 Sanford. to nothing at halftime. Beating the 30 to nothing is not good enough for you boys? Come well, on, I, man. I, I get that the, the spread wasn't covered because we called things off in the second half. But it's thirty to nothing at halftime. Yeah, <clears throat> I guess some of these issues. So, from my perspective, it seems like Georgia had some recurring issues from the going from Kent State to Missouri, and a lot of it was on the offensive line. And it didn't look like they were getting like manhandled as much as they just didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, it was, that, that was that was not a recurring issue. That was a new issue for Missouri. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't seen our line play play like that disorganized in any of the other games. You know, a lot of people have said, "Oh, they went. They were trying to do some zone blocking stuff." You know, which is maybe a little advanced technique. And then the second half, they kind of rolled out some their more bread and butter stuff. Like we're going to go to gap scheme. We're going to send Darnell Washington downfield to go block. You know, we're going to stick to the 12 personnel and we'll run the ball and then things were okay. And it also helped that Missouri started playing like they actually are, which is not that great on offense. And which, we which didn't mostly, yeah, field position with turnovers. Right. So I guess the alarming part is that we've seen this happen twice and there was some maybe disconcerting behavior from, I think, Georgia's side, especially at the beginning of the game. You know, Jalen Carter went and talked trash to Missouri players during warm-ups. So they walked over there. I don't know who started talking first. I know Missouri was the only ones that threw punches at Jalen Carter. So 
you know, and he didn't punch back or push back or anything like that. So uh, a lot has been made of this, uh, possibly uh, slightly too much made of it. But probably, oh, I do yeah, get yeah. the vibe though that the very at the very least, there's probably a little bit of you know drinking your own Kool Aid going on on certain factions of the team and probably frustrating other factions of the team and that's probably pretty natural and I just hope that it gets weeded out. Yeah, yeah, and, and even if it's not drinking the own drinking your own Kool Aid stuff, it's a little bit of people doing things their own way is what I would think of it as. Because, okay, if this is like, I don't know, 80s Miami, and you saw 80s Miami guys walking around at warm-ups, you know, giving people the the stink eye, and like having things just generally be elevated tensions, you're like, yeah, that's 80s Miami. Mm-hmm. They're acting normal for them. Mm-hmm. So that little dust-up or whatever wasn't normal i think for how kirby georgia teams have been guys would be more buttoned up totally on the other side of the field so you would never even have something like this so it's sort of people kind of doing things on their own a little bit i I don't know how much it's like drinking their own kool-aid or whatever because if it is is jalen carter who's like allowed to drink his own kool-aid because he's actually that good so it's like the team's not bad if jalen carter thinks he's real good like that, yeah. that's not a problem you think it influenced but, their decision to go for his knee or is that just a football thing that just happened that's uh, a football uh, thing of how they block and it should have been a penalty oh yeah um, i i guess where i'm at with it, i'm glad that georgia survived but I guess my opinion about the team has changed. They look like a team that's probably going to drop a game, if not two. Well, the same can be said about the other three right. teams that were like supposedly unbeatable. Also, I had us at eleven and one before the season started. I had us at eleven and one, maybe twelve and zero before the Missouri game, and then now it's just back to eleven and one, like it was before the season started. Mm. Nothing's really changed. Who do you I, think's the one? Uh, who knows? Tennessee that's not. That's. Point, I mean, my money. It's, that's never how it works. But if you had to pick the most likely ones, it's Tennessee, Mississippi State, maybe Kentucky. Yeah, all the, all, all the unsurprisingly, all the gimme games that you look at the hey. schedule like this is easy. All of a sudden, Mississippi State is like pretty damn good. And oh, what happened to my gimme game there? I thought it was just easy cruising through. Yeah, and well, Mississippi State brought back a, a lot of guys on defense. Mm-hmm. And Mike Leach teams usually peak offensively in year three. This is year three. Yeah, so like going points. Yeah. So for like, you know, people that were paying attention or for any of like the analytical models, they all said Mississippi State was gonna be pretty good. And so you knew coming into the season that you had, you know, Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Kentucky, or whatever that order is, four games in a row with only Tennessee at home. So you're at Jacksonville, home versus Tennessee at Starkville, at Kentucky. Mm. So you look at it and it's like, okay, are you better than all four of those teams? Yeah, probably. Do you go three and one in that stretch? Especially if all four of those teams are pretty good functional teams. Like, yeah, that's the most likely scenario. Most of the time, Alabama does not go 12-0. and And people, I don't know, people just look at it and go, oh, we're better than every team on our record. That's 12-0. and no. That's well, not how no, sports work. I did some people works. say, some people did say stuff like, oh, these kind of games never happen with Nick Saban. This is why Nick Saban, you know, Bullshit. he's got these guys under Nick control. Nick Saban like, never lost to Stephen Garcia at South Carolina. It's just selective memory. It's just like, because it's Nick Saban, they're choosing to not look at, like, what actually happened. Yeah, and, and I will say, Kirby has, his tenure so far has probably not been quite as stable as the most stable like portions of Nick Saban's tenure. Like, okay, sure. sure, Fine. What do you do? Who cares? Like that's if the measuring stick is, Oh, you're not as good as the absolute peak of Saban at Bama. And congratulations. Like every coach is not good and everybody should shut down their football program. So we should just all go home. Soon try. I do feel a little bit like the Hulk in Infinity War where he, he stands up after failing and he's like, I see this as an absolute win because it's <laughs> happening early in the season against teams that we can 
play terribly against and still get the win. So hopefully, I don't have any reason to doubt the coaching staff. Hopefully they coach them up, figure out what's going on, and they're much improved by the time they play really, really good teams. Yeah, I mean, what do you think? And it could be a win oh, timing-wise, and it also could just be a harbinger of actual issues that don't get better True. and don't get fixed. We just don't know yet. Yeah, yeah and, and some of it, like, okay, are you going to have two or three turnovers in the first quarter of every game the rest of the season, like the last two weeks? Nope, probably not happening. So that one, probably getting fixed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just some early game spirals and we do need you know, some situations to come back healthy that would help a lot right getting some guys back healthy which is you there know any news on that front with mitchell and smith uh, no, no there's i saw Aaron's, smith dressed and played like he, a he, series he, yeah he played a few plays so he's at least close but they never give him like good injury info but they're just gonna one game just be like i'm here yeah, I mean, but the the negatives for how the team had played were there before Kent State. They were there in the South Carolina game. They were there in the Oregon game. They were there when you were winning and playing well, right? Like in those games, you saw more space for teams to run on the defense than you had in previous years. Now, in those games, you got up twenty-one nothing after the first quarter. So, guess what? They don't get to be balanced on offense and They're try and run the ball. Yeah. Right. They're, you know, in a bad situation. Uh, the running game has been very steady and consistent. It has not been explosive. This is Good the way to put it. That's how it was last year. That's how it was the year before. I that's how that's it's been the whole time when, with Munkin has been there. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest shift offensively for Georgia since going from the Cheney era because Cheney had some explosive runs coming out of, you know, those those right. ace single back formations. I don't think I think Kirby Smart loves the idea of explosive runs, but I don't know if that's where he wants to get most of his explosive plays. Yeah, and and you don't have explosive running backs. That is true also. Right. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, do you see a Nick Chubb, a Sony Michelle, a DeAndre Swift? It, you don't. They're they're not there. Not to say those guys are good, but they're not that kind of player. They're not future first round picks. Right. Um. So I'll tell you, is a dude a running back? Sorry. Go. Yes. More to say. I would say, but but all those negatives were there before the Missouri game, before the Kent State game. They just get overlooked because you yeah. win by a lot, and that's how people start off four and zero, and everybody goes. Wow, look how many teams there are. Like, we're going to have eight undefeated teams. Like, and no, you're not. Just because they won doesn't mean there weren't flaws. And just because you had a bad game with early turnovers doesn't mean there's nothing there. Like, you look at the yardage, the success rate, the yards per play. Mm. Georgia and Missouri were not evenly matched. Just, no. Despite how the game went. No, Georgia still got over 500 yards of offense, which they've Way done every over. game this year, I think. No, I think it was like right at 500. You talking about Missouri? Yeah, Missouri. I think it was five eighty one. I think it was like four eighty one, but was it four eighty one? I'm sorry. Yeah, but Missouri had like two eighty or something like that, right? And yards per play and success rate were it was a, a big gap. I mean, was it success rate or yards per play? Based on one of those, both of those are ways that people after the weekend will just look at like yards per play difference and success rate difference in a game to kind of look at like who got dominated or not dominated the most on a play-by-play basis. Mm-hmm. And Georgia was like, had the fourth most dominant weekend or something like that. The fourth That's most dominant game thought. that weekend. Right. That's so it's like, to reconcile. It, yeah. Well, it always happens that way because there's always a game where turnovers play a big role. And you always have a game where one team has a slightly higher success rate and loses by three touchdowns. Cause like, Oh, they were minus four on turnovers. And one of those was a 97 yard pick six. Right. And it's like you on a down to down basis, you were better, but you made those big mistakes. Those big mistakes still count. And there is like some improvement in coaching that needs to happen around those mistakes and around the red zone woes, which were already there. Yeah, they were there. Before the Missouri game. But yeah, that is true. Speaking of turnovers, so we can shift it in honor of our buddy Kevin, Auburn had four of them <laughs> against LSU. 
and outgained LSU by over 200 yards. This is exactly what you were talking about, Scott. And mm-hmm. uh, LSU won that game because <laughs> of that. Somebody oh, in Baton Rouge is too drunk to taste that chicken. Right. Was this in Baton Rouge? I thought it was in Auburn. Oh, wait, Auburn. Someone in Auburn is too drunk to taste that chicken. I had a friend who took their kids there, and for one of them, one of them was like four. And it was her favorite, her first game. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> first game <laughs> is a loss that you probably definitely should have won. <laughs> what a weird game. But that's exactly what we were talking about. Tons of yards and turnovers. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes you have teams that just are talented but play sloppy and will do that for a whole season or two or three seasons and get a coach fired. Uh, hopefully, uh, it seems to be how Auburn's going. Hopefully, <laughs> for Georgia, that's not like the rest of the season where you kind of play sloppy and inconsistent like that. Hopefully, they get it together, but we will see. LSU basically has a running back at quarterback. Auburn has a running back at quarterback. Well, he this bro actually passed for a lot of yards. I'm looking at it now his QBR is garbage. Yeah, but, I mean, I think... Jane and Daniel's line for the LSU game was eight of twenty for eighty yards. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's bad I, for for Ashford. I think probably all of his big passes were like run around, scramble, and then like somebody was wide open, he threw it to like an uncovered person. Uh, okay. I mean, Georgia has an insurance salesman at quarterback, so. You could do a lot worse. It's true. It's true. He's good. He's good. But we got a joke, right? I mean, he's fine. Okay. Listen, I've, my opinion has always been, I'm going to root for Georgia and whoever the quarterback is. I do not care who the quarterback is. As long as that quarterback plays well, I do not care. I don't care that they're going to be in the NFL or not. I don't care whether they were two-star, three-star, five-star, whether they can do a backflip and throw it. Because as we know, even the ones where that are highly chatted NFL prospects can just be really stupid, like Jamarcus Russell, who's number one pick. Will Levis. Will Levis. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Will Levis or White Jamarcus Russell. I don't know. Yes, how just to... call that man White Jamarcus. White Jamarcus. He, White, he needs White to Marcus. get a lot more weight. He needs to eat a lot more bananas and mayonnaise to get to Jamarcus Russell size. So I, I believe down. in him. He can I hate do that it. you always remind us of what he eats because it makes me Well, it's here's the thing. I don't understand how the Will Levis hype train started because when I go on Twitter, it seems like everyone's kind of in agreement that like, oh, this guy is not a first round quarterback, but who said he was and why was that such a big talking point on he's ESPN? Got, it's probably because he's just six, seven, six, six or something. Well, that's the thing. He's one of the, he, like... He's just it's like, like when Ryan Mallett was up and everyone's freaking out. And the reason, only reason was what? He's 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six with a cannon. Yeah. But, I'm like, well, Levis could prove people wrong. But right now, he's not accurate with the football. And he's really careless with it. And, like, people talk about the bananas and mayonnaise things. Like, oh, he's, he's a PhD. He's poor, hungry, and desperate. So you know he's going to do well at the next oh level. God. Like, some of these NFL scouts might just be dum-dums. He's not even 6'5". He's 6'3". <laughs> Wait means a he's minute. really 6'2". How how dare you besmirch the intelligence of NFL scouts? I know. Shocking. They're foolproof. Uh, I mean, just... he was pretty good last year. Well, the, the NFL just is always quarterback hungry and quarterback desperate. So they're. I mean, just and his, I know looking. this is weird, right? Like his numbers this season aren't bad, but like when you watch him play, it's like I don't know. You know what I mean? He. Yeah, he's got the 1,400 yards, 12 touchdowns, only four picks. Not bad. Now, his rushing stats are not as good as they were last year. Their offensive line is also bad this year. So a lot of the NFL hype is very much based off of traits and going, hey, what do you think he could do if he had, like, an actual offensive line? Um, All that said, I, I don't see it. But uh, Josh Allen was terrible at quarterback, and now he's amazing. So, like, who the heck knows? Yeah, he's the one, he's like know, it, hey, it can be yeah. done. So let's try it every single time until we get a Josh Allen. <laughs> yeah, he could he could be like Josh Allen. I think he's more likely to be like the next, you know, Sam Darnold. Or is it too late to to call it on Zach Wilson? He could be the next Justin Fields. Ooh. I live like 
Now I moved and <laughs> I live like miles from, from Harrison and them's, them's fighting words. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> it is a... Oh, the bears try fighting a little harder. <laughs> that is an interesting uh, every Sunday afternoon to go check on Twitter and see what people are saying about Justin Fields because it's like, you know, he only throws the ball 15 times a game. So our sample is size true? is low. They only like, they're not, they don't pass them. I don't know anything about the bears. It's, it's hard to throw the ball much when it's all three and outs. Right. Ooh, it's no bueno for the Bears. So it, the question now is, is it Justin Fields or is this just the Bears? You know, I don't know. I don't watch him enough, so I can't answer that question. I think it's just the Bears. Maybe maybe Justin Fields should just go back to playing baseball. It's probably just the Bears, though. I, I mean, it's the Bears. Like, what can you say? Duh, yeah, Fields Bears. can go back to playing baseball. He can try and hit 60-something home runs like Judge. So Okay, guys. I gotta hop off, but before I do, why don't we do this? I'm gonna look ahead to college football schedule for this upcoming weekend, and I'm gonna tell you the noon games. You gonna tell me which one you're gonna watch? Now, your schedule may not allow it, but let's assume your schedule allows it. <laughs> All right, your noon game on Saturday. You got Michigan, Indiana. You want the rankings or no? Hold on. Can you start me with which one's the big nude? The big nude? The big nude is Michigan, Indiana. All right. Now, do you want rankings or not? Do you care about that? No, screw the rankings. Screw the rankings. That's right. Michigan <laughs> at Indiana is your big nude. And then on big ESPN, right after game, game of day, right after Corsa says f- very loudly, uh, <laughs> Love it. you have Tennessee at LSU. Uh, on FS1, you have TCU at Kansas. Um. On SEC Network, you have Arkansas at Mississippi State. Not a bad game. Oh. And then Missouri at Florida. Texas at Oklahoma. There you go. On ABC. Oh, the Red River. At the Cotton Bowl. Um, Purdue at Maryland. Louisville at Virginia. And then I'm not going to even name These those. are all noon games? Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, those are your noon games. What are you watching? All right. So I'm between Tennessee LSU and Texas Oklahoma. Mm. But I think I would go with Tennessee LSU because I think they those fan bases will be madder about broadcast breaking into see Aaron Judge like get hit by a pitch and not hit irrelevant homer sixty three. No, you can't. The playoffs have started, so it doesn't matter anymore. They <laughs> 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 can't cut in no more regular uh, uh. season games. But I like where your head's at. I would probably two screen what the, what you're saying, Tennessee LSU and Oklahoma Texas. Gosh, TCU Kansas would be the most fun, though. That's true. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm very interested by that game because Kansas has never been good ever, and it feels like a fever dream that they're five and zero, and I feel like I have to pay homage to that. And what TCU did, Oklahoma, has my attention. If I decide to care about the beauty pageant, I guess I'm a big Missouri fan now. So let's go Missouri. Um, well, that game has Florida potential by to go sloppy. <laughs> be Florida that by game fifty. Get really, really sloppy. It's in Gainesville, for what it's worth. That, that might be a game where Anthony Richardson throws three picks, but then rushes for two touchdowns. There are 2 o'clock and 2.30 starts that I do not respect, so I will not tell you who's playing. We have a 3.30 start. Your slate is Auburn at Georgia, Texas Tech at Oklahoma State, Utah at UCLA, Liberty at UMass. Wow. Wisconsin at Northwestern, Virginia Tech at Pitt, and then it's a bunch of nobodies. As Norwest, as what's your three thirty one? Who are you putting on at three thirty? I'm going to the Georgia Auburn hey, game, so I'll be at hey, Stanford big, Stadium. Big same, I'll be there. What section are you going to nice. be? Nice, one thirty seven. one twenty seven. Ooh, I didn't know you got Auburn tickets hey, too, Scott. Thanks, you got Scott. Any, you got any tailgate hookups? Because I don't have any more tailgate options these no. days. It's been too long. My wife and I are talking about starting our own. Eventually, was it Scott? Was it your family that used to tailgate by the Ag Extension Building on Lumpkin? Yes, we yep. talk, we, were, we were we were scoping that place out last time we went to a game. Did you see many mm-hmm. people there? No, but that was also Samford. So yeah, they're not going. <laughs> I mean, I if know. you started tailgating every home game, Justin, I'm not, I would, like I know I how try, it works. I would try and come to more than half the home games. Well, if you're listening, dear listener, if you're listening to this podcast and I have a tailgate somewhere on campus, you are invited to come and eat my chili and bring listen. bring bring beer and water. 
Yes, bring beer, and if or if you want a non-beer drink, I really like those tip-top uh, cocktails in a can. Those are awesome. Wait, I thought you said a non-beer. Okay, you said non-beer, not nine on call. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was yeah. like, Justin, there's okay, okay. I got Saturday out of here. There's a four o'clock. There's four o'clock kicks here. Ohio, you never told me your three thirties. Oh, you're Order. gonna be at the game. Yeah. I won't be at the game. I will probably two screen Auburn, Georgia, and Utah, <laughs> UCLA. Um, mm, there you go. All right, your four o'clocks that are for some reason are starting at four. Ohio State, Michigan State. At Michigan State. I, I like the 4 o'clock window, thank you very much, because then I get something to watch during the 3.30 halftime. That's right. That's true. But you I heard the Redcoats practicing this afternoon, and it sounds like they're going to do a 2010s indie folk mashup. So They're actually playing songs that people have listened to before? That's crazy. Yeah, I thought I heard Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros oh, being played. Oh, so. that's very nice. Ole yeah. Miss at Vandy, Washington at Arizona State. Arizona State with a new coach. Or did they have a new coach this past weekend? I think they had a new coach this past weekend. The U plays North Carolina at the U. Is that what you would watch it for? Yeah, that'd be yeah. my 4 o'clock. Yeah, that'd be good. You wouldn't one. watch Duke at Georgia Tech? The smart people? I mean, I could watch Duke, you know, pound that booty. Pound it, baby. You're they 7 o'clock. They're going to pound that booty. Let me see your seven o'clock. So your prime times. I'm gonna skip the crappy games. Clemson at Boston College. Eh. Washington <laughs> State. Washington State at Southern Cal. Come oh, on I now. Watch, yeah. I watch that. Yeah. That's Washington. not even Pac-12 at dark. That's seven thirty on Fox. Wazoo's got a great quarterback this year. Yeah. Oh Cam yeah, Ward. Cam Ward. Yeah. Yeah. South Carolina like, at Kentucky. Mm. BYU, BYU Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Mm. Kansas State at Iowa State. Your eight, eight, oh, CBS has got the double feature this week. Yeah. Texas A&M at Alabama. Which, that's the game I most want them to break into for an Aaron Judge, like, four-pitch walk. <laughs> what, would be be, what would be awesome if, is if they don't even have to break away from coverage. Aaron Judge is, is at the game. I'd, I want them to, like... Show it on the big screen at the stadium so that we can get message board posters talking about how it's a conspiracy to like break up their offensive rhythm. <laughs> the rest of the games are pretty good. Florida State at NC State, I guess. Whatever. Kansas State at Iowa State. Not bad. I'm obviously going to watch the Texas A&M at Alabama, but my other game would probably be I guess Washington State at Southern Cal, unless it gets away from them. I don't know. Um, who's played Southern Cal the closest this year? Has it been Oregon State? It was this past weekend. Yeah. Well, Oregon State the, was, what, 17-14 or something like that? Oh, yeah. that was a lot closer. You're right. I, yeah, it was 17-14. Arizona it. State was hanging in there, though. They pulled away. Yeah, they scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Arizona State, who's hopping in that Deion Sanders sweepstakes. Uh, Maybe we'll see. I, I'm not seeing that, but maybe. I mean, we're talking about whether or not A&M will buy out Jimbo for $96 million. So clearly these people are insane running college football. Yep. I mean, you ever seen that movie, The Money Pit with Tom Hanks? No. It's about this married couple that buys like this gorgeous house. But as soon as they move into it, they notice it has problems. And by the end of the movie, it's just like... Sounds like you know. real life. Why is, like, yeah. why can I watch this like movie? The, the, it's the, this the, movie about a guy who just pays his mortgage and bills and then goes to work the next one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, it won a lot of awards at the Cannes Festival. Is this like a recent movie? or like? No, it came movie? out in the 80s. Okay. I mean, it sounds like it might be about today's housing market. I was, no. I was like, is this like a commentary on today's housing market with Tom? Because no, Tom like, Hanks is in everything, man. You need uh, an Italian grandfather? Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want someone to play Grimace in the live-action McDonald's movie? You got Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. Do you want someone to play uh, Eastern European who's stuck in an airport from a fake country? You want Tom Hanks. You want a southern, a southern kid who played football Alabama and went to the Vietnam War? You need Tom Hanks. You want a fat, overweight person who abused Elvis Presley, I guess, his whole life? With a, all his money, with, with an accent that's like a little too much, it's Tom Hanks. <laughs> or you, what is that guy? Hand ready, hand ready from uh, uh, with a Leo DiCaprio movie with the airplanes. What's it called? 
Catch oh me if my. you can. Catch me if you can. He has that accent like this, and he talks like he's from ba- like Boston. Like, come on, Tom. <sighs> I mean, he's at this rate, he's going to be like Lee Corso, where they're just going to be continue to trotting his like you know declining body, pumped up on uppers. To I'll I'll fans. get concerned when they does like a Turner and Hooch sequel. That'll be the final red flag. You know that's coming because I'm fairly certain that's a Disney joint. And if not, one thing I know is that Disney be retreading the retread, baby. Like now, I just are saw. They just, are they just going to call it Hooch? What are they going to call it? <laughs> I don't know. Which one was Hooch the dog? Hooch. Was Turner the dog or Hooch the dog? Hooch is the See? dog. That's the that's the glory of the title in <laughs> the movie. Well, that's Can't gonna be my it, favorite it part the question, of the, Are people and animals really the same? The, the, my favorite part of that sequel is gonna be at the beginning when they montage the fact that his current hooch is like a descendant from the former hooch. Yeah, it's like hooch five. Yeah, it's hooch five, and they they quickly time lapse that shit in like thirty seconds and bring it up to speed. You're like, oh, that's cute. He procreated, and this is the great the the great grandson of hooch, the classic hooch. Hey, this one's got speaking, really bad hip displays. Speaking of yeah. great grandsons, can we talk about how it is an absolute travesty that we only found out this past weekend Stetson Bennett's great grandpappy was both a Baptist pastor and a moonshiner. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how Danny, in the world did that not come up as a fun fact before now? This is the third season of starting, at least like off that's and on. That's true. I don't know how. And I don't know who I was. I, did I send this in Discord? Or I, I don't know if I sent this or if I said it to the people I was watching with. But like, Yassi Network is brave to open up that closet. Like, you want to start talking about the ancestors of Stetson Bennett the Fourth from Blackshear? Like, I guarantee you, you're gonna find something that's not, you're not gonna like. <laughs> I, hey, look, they dressed up like ghosts for Halloween one year. One, you know, his ancestors used to have the most intricate ghost parties. <laughs> they had, like, they came out on horses and they had torches and they really were into the Halloween spirit. Uh, they were they were heavy landowners. They were integral pillars of the economic community. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I think I would if I was a producer on that. Show, I was like, can we just like fun fact like someone from like I don't know Smyrna or like <laughs> Gwinnett County? Like, what are we doing? Oh, I think that was Stetson the second, his great grandfather. I think his grandfather, grandfather was a football coach was he really? and maybe also a lawyer i don't know there's a lot of stetson bennett's instead of walking call me when you're a football coach a lawyer and a baptist preacher and a moonshiner then, yeah, I'm, then I'm impressed well look you back in the days yeah you know that off people weren't just putting that much money in the offering plate they were getting that company script you know so <laughs> he had to he had to he had to make the moonshine to pay for the, the steeple and the car. Listen, I need the moonshine and to put new doorknobs on, on the church. Doorknobs are rusting away. Gotta put new doorknobs. Gotta need new pews. That's why Stetson Bennett is the greatest Georgia quarterback ever. You'll never have a fun fact like that with Justin Fields. Hell no, you won't. No. <laughs> what's, what's, Justin, <laughs> even Justin's afraid to make up a fun fact about Justin. <laughs> yeah, He's trying to. He's like, what can I say? I was like, my fun fact was like, you could do your fun fact for Matt Stafford was in 2004, his parents bought it like a Land Cruiser. Because <laughs> they're so his, his fun fact is that he used to be friends with Clayton Kershaw, remember? Oh, yeah. That's, that's right. the only fun fact Island Park. It's just like the bougiest suburb in America. I was America. trying to think of the most bougie thing. Like, my parents once took me to Cozumel <laughs> with my girlfriend. <laughs> oh gosh! Uh, don't ever, don't ever Google like what these college players did for spring break when they were like youngsters. You're not gonna like what you find. Turns especially out, especially like spring break when like Scott and I were in high school. Not that we would go to those things, but we'd obviously would be aware of of what happened. And it's just a different time. Is all you can say. Different time, man. <laughs> it is not it was not a time that was meant to be shared 24/7 on Twitter let's just put it that way but it did not, you did it would get not video some, well you got some really blurry grainy i don't know dark green and lighter green photos of Stafford passed out on top of a keg you know yeah but oh, in the air oh that's a good one i mean you don't have like an HDR 4K of him totally nude floating in a swimming pool like like that oh, receiver geez. look Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown. 
But there are grainy photos of Aaron Murray in bed with girls when he went from one time when he was in like high school and college. It could get a lot yeah. worse. He was sleeping with some some girls without any money because they were surely iPhones back then. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Oh man, I'm looking at Justin Fields' stats for this year. It's bad. What are they? Uh, well, so this past week they played the Giants, and he had his best game of the season in a 20 to 12 loss, mm. where he was 11 of 22, 50 percent completion for 174 yards with no touchdowns and no interceptions. That is the mm. high water mark, almost hitting 175 yards and not throwing a pick. It's just all downhill from there. That's bad. He should just oh. transfer to another team. Like, uh, who'd be good, who'd be, who would actually be a good fit for Justin Fields if he could escape? If there was a transfer portal in the NFL. Jeez, <laughs> oh, anywhere but like Chicago or the Jets, man. Yikes. <laughs> Dolphins need a quarterback, a... but they'd probably, you know, get him killed too. <laughs> His first three games this year, he had 290 yards and four picks. That's three whole games, and he couldn't break 300. That's that's big yikes. And, like, Marcus Mariota was terrible last week, and that's just been, like, average Justin Fields outing. Yeah. All right, y'all. I got to run. Cool. Chabat.